Hey yo, welcome to the latest Picton's podcast. This one is called Delicious about Wizard John D. Not to be confused with the Eeyore-like comedian Jack D. For a time, occupier of the grumpy seat on shooting stars on TV. Presumably the spiritual opposite of the naughty seat in the middle of the bottom row on cult show blankety blank. I have been compared to Jack visually, and more recently to the shooting star's host himself, Vic Reeves, which I would take as a compliment were it not for his outrageous behaviour towards a lady of my acquaintance on train. I have to take her word for it, as she's most reliable, despite her believing for some time it was Mark Lamar, a mistake anyone could make. At various weights and fashion phases, I've also been likened to Hugh Dennis, Russell Grant, and Mr. Bean. Jack D. also had an aptly named sitcom called Lead Balloon, which I think I watched as I slightly fancied a woman on it. I'm sure I saw the actress appear on Match.com in the past and briefly entertained a fantasy we could have a sitcom life together. Probably wasn't her though, as presumably she's aged 20 years since. Unless she's one of those who misleadingly puts photos on there from years ago, or obtained eternal youth from the real John D. Okay, I'm going to get to him, if anyone's still paying attention. In my magnificent recent book, Astral Projects 4, 4 Play, the idea of a universe which is a simulation pops up. A most entertaining writer, Tracy R. Twyman, has speculated amongst many things, a few quoted in this podcast, that John Dee may be the demiurge of Gnosticism in ours. It makes about as much sense as anything. Let's take a look at this most fascinating of historical figures, also featured in a great book by David Bramwell and Joe Keeling called The Auditorium. Here is a wizard's brew of some of my favourite John D. uh, facts. So, 1. John may be Oanes, Uranus, Vishnu, and have manifested the three dimensions of our universe. 2. He channeled the Enochian ritual magic system from angels by a divination system called scrying. 3. He wrote an alchemical treatise named Monas Hieroglyphica about uncreating the universe into a monad and then creating a new one. 4. The basis of the angelic alphabet used for John Dee's Enochian magic system, channeled from the angels, are actually formed by the angles of refraction that cause the scintillation of life through the top of a crystal. This reminds me of a book, The Secret in the Bible, that links the Hebrew alphabet and its 22 letters as being formed by light refracted through an original Ben-Ben stone on the top of the Great Pyramid with the grand trumps of the tarot. 5. While not noted for his science of navigation, John Dee's work, The Perfect Art of Navigation, led Sir Francis Drake to believe it was possible to sail around the world. When discussion of the Drake voyage first emerged, backers of the scheme enlisted Dee to help. Through the use of some convoluted logic, Dee convinced Queen Elizabeth I she was a linear descendant of King Arthur and was entitled to be the Queen of America and Scandinavia and Russia for good measure. Elizabeth and other backers put up the funds for Drake's secret mission. The voyage of the Golden Hind yielded a 4,700% return for the investors. Dr. D's collection also included the charts and maps of the Zeno Sinclair expedition. The explorer Sir Martin Frobisher had obtained these from D. 
The latter did pointlessly risk his life, however, bringing to 1,500 tons of what he hoped were gold-containing rocks from northern Canada, which turned out to be nothing more than just black rocks. These bankrupted him and made the most costly pile of rubble in Christendom. Some can still be seen patching up a crumbling stone wall that runs the length of Priory Road in Dartford, Kent. 6. Queen Elizabeth and her ladies-in-waiting travelled to the estate of Dee in Mortlake, where he kept his magic mirror that he could see the future in. Or create the future in, Twyman speculates. 7. John Cocteau and Alistair Crowley are amongst those interested in Dee's work, the latter as a means of bringing about the apocalypse, the rogue. Although he wasn't too impressed when Jack Parsons of NASA and Aaron Hubbard of Scientology did their own related moonchild working and almost stole his thunder. In case you were wondering, the moonchild may have been a ginger actress called Marjorie Cameron. 8. John was a bit of a polymath, a mathematician, astronomer, astrologer, a court philosopher and advisor to Queen Elizabeth I. He devoted much of his life to the studies of alchemy, divination, hermetic philosophy. 9. In his lifetime, Dee amassed one of the largest libraries in England. His high status as a scholar also allowed him to play a role in Elizabethan politics. 10. Dee attended the Chelmsford Chantry School, now King Edward VI Grammar School. Hey, that's my city! He went to Cambridge University at only 15 and studied 18 hours a day. Eventually, he was one of the founders of Trinity College there. He was accused of sorcery during that time for building a mechanical flying dung beetle. 11. He was arrested and charged with calculating for having cast horoscopes of Queen Mary and Princess Elizabeth. The charges were expanded to treason against Mary. Dee appeared in the Star Chamber and exonerated himself. 12. When Elizabeth took the throne in 1558, Dee became her trusted advisor on astrological and scientific matters, choosing Elizabeth's coronation date himself. Dee also persuaded her that she wasn't under a curse when a wax effigy of her had been found in a courtyard stuck with pins. 13. From the 1550s through the 1570s he served as an advisor to England's voyages of discovery, providing technical assistance in navigation and ideological backing in the creation of a British Empire, a term he was the first to use. He once cast a spell on the Spanish Armada, and we all know what happened to them. 14. He sought to contact spirits through the use of a scryer or crystal gazer, which would act as an intermediary between Dee and the angels. Dee's first attempts with several scryers were not satisfactory, but in 1582 he met Edward Kelly, then going under the name Edward Talbot, to disguise both with the fake name and a hat his conviction, for which punishment he'd had his ears cut off for coining or forgery. He impressed Dee greatly with his abilities, Dee took Kelly into his service and began to devote all his energies to his supernatural pursuits. 15. Kelly informed Dee that the angel Uriel had ordered the men to share all their possessions, including their wives. The order for wife-sharing caused Dee great anguish, but he apparently did not doubt its genuineness. His wife herself at the time cried for 15 minutes, but then went along with it. Nine months later, a son was born to Dee's wife. 16. Dee returned to Mortlake after six weeks abroad to find his home vandalised, his library ruined, and many of his prized books and instruments stolen. At one point, it had more books than Oxford and Cambridge University's libraries combined. 17. The British Museum holds several items once owned by Dee and associated with the spiritual conferences, including the Magic Mirror.
18, William Shakespeare may have modelled the character of Prospero in The Tempest on D. 19. H.P. Lovecraft names him as a translator of the mythical Necronomicon. 20. He is the subject of the song The Alchemist by Iron Maiden and an entire opera by Damon Albarn of Blur. 21. He signed letters with 007 and was often accused of spying. The original James Bond? Or the Demi-Urge? Or simply a boffin who sometimes took his ideas a bit far? Goodbye for now.